Blog Talk Radio. Productions on the building. Don't, don't, don't forget to log on to DJFXNY.com.
You're definitely putting your yeah. work in. Um, you yeah. put together this new dynamic play, from what I understand, is going to be very different from anything that we've ever seen before. So why don't you start by telling me a little bit about the play and the concept? Um, it started um, organically. Um, pretty much uh, college, because I do a lot. I have a beeping noise. Is that normal? Um, Hello? I don't hear it on my end. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it, it started uh, with a college that was looking for a show. Um, and I was originally looking to do something with spoken word because it's a form that I don't write and that I absolutely love. So um, I couldn't think of exactly what to do. And when this college called, they were looking for a new show. I immediately went to Peggy Robles Alvarado, and we started, I I sold the concept in that we were going to call it Soledad Speaks, and it was going to be about a journey. It was very broad. It wasn't, in a a year, we really developed the idea, but it was a very broad thing where I was just going to get all this together, we were going to talk about issues, sort of like... Um, some of the stuff I did in your Filipino, which is about the Latina experience living in America and what that means to self-identify as a Latina. And so we just came together. We did that one show. And then there was something in it that seemed unique but n- not fleshed out yet. So we got together. We talked. We played with uh, – well, I forgot to say that we invited uh, – J.F. Siri, we invited Miriam Rodriguez, and we invited Maria Rodriguez to join us. And um, all these women are incredible writers and poets. And so it was just a matter of taking that material and creating a story out of it. Uh, the girls were saying their own stories in it, but they were saying it was similar themes that I thought would just resonate with so many women. Um, and in this process, we sort of filled in whatever blanks we needed to fill in. Like when I see, um, I love structure. I love story structure. And so when I saw something that needed to be filled, I said, okay, can we fill this with something? And right away they went to work and they wrote something and brought it back and we went through different pieces of material until it became this journey. And it took us a little while before we really nailed it. We weren't sure who this Soledad was. We knew there was this figure there trying to say something to us, but we just didn't know who she, what she represented and who she was. And finally, it became very clear that it was our past, our present, and our future. She represented everything that we were and that we are, and she gives us hints to where we're going. And um, so the idea while we were working on it was to first have this idea of Soledad floating around in the theater, and then the girls would just tell her story. But then it just, as you work on a piece, all these, a million ideas will come to you. And I knew of Miss Betty Tucker. She is with... uh, if I'm not mistaken, her dance company is Bombazo Dance Company, and she yeah. does a very traditional dance, um, Puerto Rican dance. And I knew right away. I knew right away the minute I remembered her, the minute I thought about it, I said, we have to bring her in and sort of that. So she doesn't really – she's the she's that quiet figure throughout the entire play. She's there trying to find her way among these women, so she represents that journey, but the four girls are telling the story. It is phenomenal. <laughs> it is phenomenal. I mean, every rehearsal, I'm like floored, floored, because it's, I always I, say I, I, I nonstop goosebumps. Yeah, I believe you, and I know how much uh, heart and soul you put into your previous shows, so I, I'm expecting a blockbuster this time around, so much so that I actually recorded a voiceover. I wanted to do something like, kind of like a movie type of voiceover for it. I didn't uh-huh. get to finish it because I, w- I was at the UN all day today, but I thought I'd, I'd let you take a little, I don't know, a little dramatic okay. uh, twist on, on what, uh, what you have going on here. Let's, 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 I mean, again, I, I, I've never done this before, so let's, let's, let's see what it sounds like. 
right. All right. Speaks is spoken word theater at its best. This evolutionary and revolutionary stage play is created, curated, and directed by award-winning writer Linda Nieves Powell. It features the poetry like of four like dynamic female poets, <laughs> Miriam Rodriguez, Maria Rodriguez, Peggy Robles Alvarado, and J.F. Siri. The journey begins during the 17th century on the island of Puerto Rico and ends in modern-day New York City. By revisiting the colonization of an island and the effects on its women and their journey from slavery to rebellion to freedom, Soledad Speaks pays homage to those who came before us in the hopes of understanding how their legacy has defined who we are today. This fall, Odd Girl in Entertainment <laughs> presents Soledad Speaks at Teatro Yati. Okay. That's <laughs> yes, cool. I'm going to put myself. I'm going to put myself. I have that. That's funny. That's good. I was missing the dramatic dance music in the background. But, uh, yeah, that was got, my first You got very inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be that movie guy, like, one man, one mission, you know. <laughs> anyway. Well, we need explosions in the back. <laughs> yeah. This summer, the blockbuster of the year will be. Sorry, that speaks. No. <laughs> no, but really, seriously, I, uh, I, was just, I was just playing with that, and I was going to put music to it, but I, got, I ran a little behind. But all jokes aside, I really do want to, um, I really do want to play a piece uh, that you put in a teaser video uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube on the website before sales went crazy and almost crashed your website. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I know the video is not on the page anymore because it was just too much for people to handle. But the tickets are selling well. You need to get tickets right away, um, real quick. It's uh, the, the, you can get tickets at soledadspeaks.com. So hopefully we can sell out before the end of the show. Um, but I do want to play this piece called We Be the Beat of the City, and it's kind of like a one-minute clip of a little bit of what you're going to be in for on October 8th. Um, here it goes. So you have grown immensely as a writer and a performer. 
what brings you to Soledad Speaks? What qué te llama de este proyecto? Uh, the challenge. The challenge. Uh, basically, Linda posted uh, anyone who's interested, and I I knew there was a challenge. One, there's a high work ethic and a very high expectation when you work with Linda, and I kind of anticipated that, and I knew that. If I did that, I would learn from the experience. I would be immensely stressed, but in a very creative, passionate type of way. And I said, you know what, I think I can do this. And I kind of contacted her, and the ball's been rolling ever since. But I am a person who takes on a lot of creative challenges, and I think uh, this has been one of the highlights of my creative life. Okay, nice. So, Maria. <laughs> yes. Maria. Hola. So tell me, tell me about that. Tell me about a little bit about that piece that we just played. Uh, we be the beat of the city. Well, initially, I had written that um, during the April Poetry Month. It was a challenge to myself, and I it was part of my thirty thirty, and I had written it, and um, it was pretty popular. It's actually one of my favorite pieces. And when Peggy called me and said, "Listen, we're working on this project," and she told me about it, and we needed something that gave us pride that we could feel and and spoke to our you know our history and and our culture and I showed uh, Linda this piece and I performed it and she was like whoa she was like this is it like this this needs to be the mm-hmm. video for Soledad speaks and uh we dissected it we gave parts to everyone and we made it happen but um beat of the city Though it's about Latinos and there's a lot of Spanglish, you know, idioms in there, it's actually about all minorities in the city. And I shout out every, okay. almost every borough in it. It's just about being proud, proud of being who we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I want to bring in Miriam because Miriam is actually the one poet out of this whole ensemble that I do not know. But I read your bio and it's very extensive bio. And I'm just really happy to have you here. So this is me meeting you for the first time. So tell me a little bit about your inspiration and what made you what made you want to join the, the cast of Soledad Speaks. Um, I was actually contacted um, by the uh, <laughs> brains behind the you know the beauty and the production, and um, I was on board right away. I have worked with Linda before for a couple of projects, and I love working with her. She's brilliant. <clears throat> I know uh, Siri, Peggy, and Maria from the poetry scene, and I just knew immediately that the power behind this was going to be beautiful. It's a perfect mm-hmm. blend of all types of feminine energy that you could possibly get, you know, every every dynamic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's exciting. So, so now, it's very exciting so you just said you said something really key there. You said feminine energy. So, yes. Siri, um, welcome to the show, Siri. How you doing? Uh, hi. <laughs> you there? It's a hi. Uh, say what? Are you there? I'm Are you here. There? I'm here. I'm listening. I'm. I'm like. Oh wait. Oh All no. Right. My. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Siri. Who, who? This show. Who are you really? Oh, I actually just lost Siri. So I'll, I'll continue with you, Miriam. Miriam, who, who is this show really speaking to? Pardon? When you talk about journeys, and when you, I said this show, who is it really speaking to? Like who, who in the audience? What, what is your ideal audience for this show? Um, honestly, in my mind, the audience is very diverse. I think that this piece can speak to men and women alike, although it is a a strong feminine energy behind the production, I strongly believe that men will be able to relate as well Uh, because it talks about struggles at large that even if you're from the male perspective, you still understand that women struggle, you know, even if you're part of the problem (laughs) or not (laughs) or walking beside that woman, sharing the problem. She said part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, it happens, you know, there, there's a, a, this or that, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, we know they're problematic. We know there's some problematic men out there. They're probably not listening to the show right now. So and some loving men, and some loving men too. It's not. <laughs> it's not about that. I'm just saying in general. I think it speaks to, although it's from a, a feminine standpoint, I think that it is a very relatable production all across the board. So, Siri, thank you. I'm here. So I'm Siri, here. <laughs> tell me, why, why is it? Why is it so important that these stories be told? From your perspective, I know you've been doing the circuit for a long time. You do lots of shows, and you're you're a master storyteller in your own right. Why is it so important for these stories to be told, and in this particular medium and forum? Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I think the, the the power of Soledad speaks, and I think part of what we want to do with it is to is to take these stories and take these voices out of the margins, which is where they've been for so long. And I think that, you know, we have so many shared experiences that the only way for us to build those bridges and build a deeper understanding of each other and really um, be able to unify ourselves as a, as a group of people is by sharing those stories and really showing the world that even in our diversity, we do have some commonality and that, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that, that's the place that we can grow from. I hope that answers the question. Okay. I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> keep it concise because I can be verbose and we can do this, you know, it'll be a two-hour show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I, I remember back in the days, mehan.com, yes, your, your, your chat box. Very long, you used to make me long conversations. I, I used to have to scroll my chat box, and back then it wasn't too sophisticated, so I had to scroll and read and read and read. And that would take me half an hour to respond to her. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I, I'm really, I'm really proud of this production, and I haven't seen the production yet. But just knowing the talent that's behind it, knowing who's directing it at the helm, knowing the support team that you have—big shout out to Vanessa and Charlie Poems and and the yeah. rest of your staff and volunteers. Um, just knowing who, who, who's behind it, I know I'm gonna expect excellence. But um, Linda, talk to me about the a risk of putting together a show and investing in these type of productions. Because it's no secret, lately we've been having a lot of problems with Latino supporting Latino productions. So how mm-hmm. how risky is this for you to put all your you know to invest the time, the money, you know the, your your reputation because you have a great reputation. How risky is it for you to put something like this together? For me, it's not a risk because I truly, truly love the idea behind the show, the and and the and the intention behind the show. What we are trying to do. Um, of course, in business, there's always going to be a certain risk. But there's just certain projects that you um, just are willing to invest in. Uh, one of the things I, I decided to do earlier on, although it was a concept that I came up with, I invited the girls all to be equal producers. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that is what has made this, an amazing experience, um, and I, I'm a sharer that way. In the past, I've done that with a few other people. Um, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. In this case, I think it was the best thing we ever did together. Um, one of the beautiful things is that uh, we have what I've learned. I have always been in theater and film, but it's my first time stepping into the spoken word community, and I have seen such a different vibe here so the there's this uh, there's this camaraderie this support system here I don't know if you guys do it all the time but it's nothing that I experience I mean I don't think theater people have the same support system and some film people there are some little circles but this is incredible um, so to me the 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 genius of the piece, how it's, how it is, um, what it, what, what it's going to represent to me. It's going. It's first of all, it's also in a, in a certain place in development. We only had a workshop production. We had one college show and a workshop production. We didn't really have anything yet, and so this is the first time we're developing it. And I've developed shows before, and I know that it could take five years to develop a piece even longer than that sometimes because Yosa Latina took a few years before it even got an equity production. It was just tweaking here and there. So this show um, is probably going to be expanded upon 
and um, we're you know we're going to develop it. But right now, where we are, it's a perfect it's a perfect blend of everyone, and and we we've, we've all invested in it. And I hope I answered your question because I ramble. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, no. rambling's good. Pretty much whatever it, it, it seems. It seems like from what I'm seeing and just looking at the pictures and talking to you girls individually about the progress of the project. It seems to me that there's a big, strong sisterhood. Like, like when you guys are done with the show, there's going to be a little bit of sadness because you guys are working so closely together. <laughs> oh, we were just talking about that today. Oh, my God. These <laughs> last few rehearsals have been so emotional. Yeah. These last few rehearsals have been so emotional. Yeah. Because Jerry, I know you know this because you're part of... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, what I was just going to say is one of the things that I loved about this production was that although Siri and Miriam have some acting experience, um, the majority of the girls are all poets. And one of the things I always wanted to see in spoken word was a more theatrical feel to it, something where the power of the words would uh, can go higher than normal. You know, I wanted to feel every emotion in the piece. And so we've had moments. In rehearsal, I we have worked it. We've gone in deep, and this has brought us all together. So yeah, the last few rehearsals have been pretty hard because we know this is about to be born at a different level, and it's almost like we have this safe little haven for ourselves that we created, and we sort of have. To, it's almost like having a child that you have to let go. It's that <laughs> sadness, yeah. but it's beautiful all at the same time. So you bring up an interesting point. Peggy and Maria, if I'm not mistaken, are the two non-actors in the group, right? Oh my yeah. God, yeah. Up until this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so, but it so talk show. to me, and we'll, but it we'll, show. we'll start with Maria. We'll start with Maria. Uh-huh. I, I want to know what what has the transition been like from poet to actor? What are the differences? What are the, some of the things that you picked up along the way? Oh my goodness! I mean, when when we first started doing rehearsals earlier in the spring, that we started going in hard with rehearsals. I was just like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I couldn't drop my poetic voice. When you do poetry for so long, you just have, you know, your own uniqueness and how you present your words. And and I kept hearing Linda saying, no, you have to drop that tone. Get out of your shell. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And I think turning into the actress side of me, because that's what Linda said. She said, now you're an actress. I had to dig in deep. I had to visualize this person going through what I'm reciting. You know, it wasn't poetry at that point. It was a moment. This was something that this person was going through. And I had to physically put myself in that place and take it from there. It wasn't easy. And, um, you know, it was one rehearsal where I literally was rehearsing and I I had to stop myself because I went in that far where I felt all the characters' emotions. And it takes a toll on you. Wow. Like, you literally have to give yourself a minute, woo and come back and pick mm-hmm. up the pieces. Um, but it also builds you, you know. It builds you up, and, and it breaks down barriers. And it shows you that what you thought you couldn't do, you actually can. So how, how Peggy, yeah. I'm sure that it's very similar for you, but how does it how does it affect your writing from this point on? Now that you've made a transition to being an actress, uh, oh. and you start and you start <laughs> embodying the, the characters of your of your words, does that change your writing at all? It just makes me want to make the writing more powerful. Like uh, now, every line I have to feel, and when I perform it, it's not just the sing songy, you know, mm-hmm. poetic voice anymore. It becomes like its own animal. And I was very hesitant when I started this process. I couldn't get out of that fear of, like, is this look, do I look foolish? Am I doing this right? You know, it really, it, I, I would complain to the group. Like, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And it really, it took me a while to adjust to the transition of it. Because uh, being a poet, I, was, I own that. I can own that and feel secure about that. But when we started, I was like, I'm not an actress. And they were like, you have to stop saying that. So now I feel like I'm a poetic actress. And um, it helps me just be more comfortable with my own words 
when I recite now. Like before, I recited and I and people would feel it, but I think if I do it now, it would be to another degree because I'm much more comfortable with acting out and waiting and pausing and making, you know, taking the audience on this journey. That it's more than just the the, the rhythm in the words. So. For me, I mean, it doesn't change the writing. It just steps it up. It steps it up to a point where it's like, okay, how can I now really perform this piece as opposed to just reading it? So for me, it's it's more like, okay, now we have the writing. Now how can I perform it? So it steps it up. It steps well, up your game for sure. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be the judge of that when I see you. I copy for the next time. <laughs> no, okay. You will. And. I remember when I was when I actually um took a workshop with Lemon Anderson um last year and something that he always said stuck with me and he said you have to find the ghost between your words. And that always stuck with me. That was like, you know what, what you say and how you present it has to be haunting to the audience. It has to stay with them when you leave the stage. And I and that's what I carry with every rehearsal. Find the ghost between your words. Absolutely. I just wanted to, um, I'm getting a couple of private messages asking me about the theater information. So I just want to let you guys know that this show is going to start on October 8th. It's a Tuesday night at Yachty Theater at 64 East 4th Street in New York. Um, the code is 10003 if you have to GPS it. Uh, performances are going to be Tuesday the 8th, Wednesday the 9th, Thursday the 10th, Friday the 11th. There's two shows on Friday, Saturday, and, oh, I'm sorry, two shows on Friday and Saturday and one show on Sunday, which will be the closing of the show. The content geared for people 13 and years and over. There will be a 20-minute talkback immediately following the performance. There are no cameras allowed. Cell phones must be turned off to all performances. The theater is wheelchair accessible and is general seating, no assigned seats. If you want to buy tickets, you can go to www.soledadspeaks.com. If you have a group that you want to bring, corporate groups or you know nonprofit, raffle tickets for your fundraiser, uh, call 727-753-9189. Um, and if, you know, for some reason, if you can't make the show and you really support what Linda and these girls are doing, you can feel free to go to the website and make a donation of $1, $5, $10, or whatever your heart desires, so that way they can keep this show going and they can further develop it into the powerhouse I know it will become. Mm-hmm. So, Linda, are you excited? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your, um, what, what are, you know, can you, is it, is, like, is it a nervous, like, I don't want the day to come because we still got to practice some more, or is it like we just want to get it in? Well, no, um, I'm an addict. Everybody knows I'm an addict for this stuff. Um, I love creating something completely unique and giving it birth. And I have to live in this space. I, I have to. It's how I can understand life. I can manage life. Um so I'm super excited because I'm very proud of these poor women, extremely proud. Um, they trusted me. They completely trusted me with their words. Um, they trusted me in the process of it, which, like they, you know, talked about, was they, they were in a very vulnerable place. And what I think when people see them, they're going to be blown away. And, you know, people say, oh, yeah, well, it's our show, whatever, and they've been working together. No, I, and everybody knows me, <laughs> they know how much I expect from them, you know, and they really raise the bar. I see four different people that I met last year. So um, it's a legacy. It's my legacy. It's their legacy. We Listen, Vanessa, um, Ferreira, is that how you pronounce her last name? Vanessa Chica on on, um, Facebook. Yeah, she's helping us out. She's our stage manager, and she's also, um, she's been helping us with marketing. And when I see even Vanessa said something today in rehearsal, and she said she's, actually inspired by us, it makes her want to go out and share her work. And I think when you're able to do that, your life has purpose. And I love my people. I love my people. And I've made We love you. 
(laughs) (laughs) I've made a choice to make stories for them to get and to challenge them because I, I do believe that we have to present our pieces in the most intelligent and unique ways. You know, sometimes I see things and I see brilliance everywhere, but it's a little raw and it's not presented in a, in a more uh, evocative and intelligent way. And I can say that because I know how I started. I started the same way. And I had to learn how to really develop those concepts and themes and learn how to create something where it will get people not only feeling but thinking. Um, I'm excited, beyond excited. I'm excited for you. And I will be there opening night. And I will be there opening night. I got tickets for like two other nights because I know what it is. I heard I heard Copy Cool Night is gonna be the Saturday before the close of the show. That's Copy Cool Night. I heard the whole nice. crew's coming out there that night, so we're really yeah. excited about that. Nice. Oh my god. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Happy cool is, in the building. But, is, but 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 you know what? I think that um and, and Linda, you've always been a very loud voice uh for uh for Latinos in, in the media. Um, you've done amazing work in, in holding certain networks accountable for some of the images that they portray. Um, and I dig that about you. I dig that about you because I know you mean well, and I know that you, you know, entertainment is entertainment, but but there has to be some type of responsibility to our to the images that we're putting out there. And I know that you take that very very seriously. So I know that um, that this is going to be nothing short of amazing. Um, but what, how do you feel right now, like about the 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 trend in Hollywood? You know, it seems like we get two steps in, and then things start happening, and then we kind of like push ourselves back. Yeah. Oh my God, this is a two-hour show. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I know. There's, there's a different show that I wanted to do with you, actually, before we even talked about having this show. That was a show that we were supposed to do, mm-hmm. to talk about some of that stuff. But um, but no, well, but like really, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Most recently, there was that controversy with Devious Maids, and I disagreed with the backlash. Um, and I know Siri can jump on and. Uh, in this mm-hmm. conversation as well because she was very vocal about it too and we sort of agreed that um, although they were presenting maids um, I, I feel this way you have to allow something, give that person a chance to share something before you judge it because it could be any type of person you have to first see what they're going to do with the project. Also the whole idea of the stereotype, yes, there are stereotypes. We have to be very careful with what we say about stereotypes because if we start judging um, gardeners, maids, they're still there. They're still coming in doing those jobs. Who are we? Have we become elitist all of a sudden? So Mm -hmm. I, I feel that we are hypocrites. A lot of us are hypocrites, and because we've been able to assimilate and to and to get to a place that is uh, maybe comfortable, we forget where we come from. Um, so I think there's a lot of conflict and a lot of um, hypocrisy in this whole community. I'm not, and it, it comes from not knowing who you are. It really is. It be, it's like what you buy into. If you buy into a certain image, you're going to um, not want to be a part of another group. You know, right away you want to push another group out and pretend they don't even exist. But, I mean, Siri, you can, you know, add to, yeah. to that. I mean, I definitely think in terms of, like, you know, mass media, Hollywood, television, there, we're, like the Latino community overall is going through some growing pains. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm in complete agreement with Linda in that when projects come up, when things come up, we have to, I, I agree, we have to let them exist and then kind of see where they fall. Some of the, you know, in the devious maze, you know, sort of case studies, um, you know, within, the, within our community is that b- before the show even aired, you know, there was a lot of negativity, a lot of backlash, and it's kind of like, whoa, you know, where is all of this 
sort of coming from. And I think that's where the hypocrisy comes in. It's like we want to be successful and we want to move forward as a people, but then the, the little time periods when we are moving forward, there's a, there might be backlash or there might be controversy or there might be this, that, or the other. And I think that, um, you know, we're evolving in real time. You know, we're evolving as, you know, we, we have – there are several Latinos who are, you know, generations into America now, and there are other Latinos who are recent immigrants, and we all have very different and unique experiences. And if we start pointing the finger to say, oh, this experience is more valuable than this other experience, mm-hmm. or, you know, and we start playing that game, then, you know, we're going to have a really tough time being successful in any industry, Hollywood or, or anything else. I think that um, – Kind of going back to what an earlier, you know, one of the earlier questions is, is that we're never going to know unless we allow the stories to be told, right? We never, you know, I mean, the, the interesting thing about the, that devious made example is that, you know, there was so con- so much controversy, people didn't think it was going to go anywhere, and then they got renewed for a second season for whatever the reasons are, right? I don't, I don't know that we could get too much into the politics of like the ratings and and what they're really showing in that kind of business, but it, it it's clearly standing on its own to feet. And so we need to think about, you know, what, what are we really doing when we're not supporting each other? What are we really doing when we're tearing things down before they even have a chance to get off the, to get off the ground? Um, and I think exactly. that, I, I, you know, I mean, yeah, go ahead, sorry. When I look at some of the stuff that's happening in Hollywood, I, I think it is hypocrisy because, I mean, think about it. We're talking about Latinos being in Hollywood and taking control of production and, and, and writing the stories and everything. But then we look at Univision and Telemundo, and we look at the novelas, and that's all Latino control. Mm-hmm, and look what mm-hmm. they're doing there. They're not, they're not, show, they're not showing, uh, they're not telling all the stories. They're, they're making the maids black there. They're, you know, they're, they're, mm-hmm, they're telling mm-hmm. very skewed stories as well. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't like that. I, I believe in the concept of positive stereotypes. And I think that in order for us to be able to tell those stories, more of us have to succeed. And I don't think we're quite there yet. You know, for for there yeah. to be, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a hibaro, you know. And for many people, mm-hmm. a hibaro was something very negative. Right. You know, when I was growing right. up, exactly. a hibaro was like to be a mm-hmm. hick and a dumbass or whatever. But today, I read the, I personally, in my behaviors and my actions and how I in, uh, embrace that, that, that term, I've made it into something, and I've rebranded it into something proud and cultural and mm-hmm. old school and old fashioned. But it has everything to do with work, work, uh, work ethic. So you know, so it's and, about redefining. Uh, can I just add to that? I just wanted to add something to Absolutely. the whole um, Hollywood element. I think the beauty also in the last piece is that we're paying no mind to that. To us, that's like the wizard behind the curtain. And it had absolutely no influence in the type of work we're we're presenting. You know, like we're showing our intelligence, we're show, we're telling our stories, we're telling other people's stories, and we're still doing it in a spiritual way. And it's not about creating or meeting this Hollywood standard. It's more like creating our own standard and showing that it's just as valuable. And I just wanted to add that. <laughs> Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, the truth is we live in, uh, I always like to say we live in the land of the Romans, you know, do like the Romans. If the if Puerto, if Puerto Ricans were Romans, <laughs> if we were mm-hmm. the ones owning everything, everybody would have to be like us. So it's whoever mm-hmm. it is, the majority is, it's who everybody needs to act like. I refuse to do that, which is mm-hmm. why maybe I haven't moved further in certain areas because I refuse to sell myself short. I refuse to be someone I am not. And when you do that, you sort of alienate those people that, oh, well, that doesn't, oh, gosh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to mess with her. I need to be here. You know, you see that a lot in this industry as well. So it's, uh, listen, it's about being you. It's about sharing who you are, who you think you are, where you think you're going, and just and loving that. There is no right or wrong version of ourselves, which is what I feel a lot of Latinos say when, they, when they're, um, you know, judging these works. Yes, there are bad stereotypes. I'm the first person to say I'm tired of the drug dealing stereotype. But then if you create a very intelligent drug addict who's trying to get out, maybe I'll watch, you know. I don't know. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have we have a we have a caller. We have a caller, Nessa. Yay! You are on the Capicu show. What's up? Hello, is this me? Hi, Nessa. Yes, it's you. Hey. Hi. I'm glad you are on because I totally had a question. So I am super so duper, oh my God, excited to see you all. And Yay. what I wanted to know from each of you is um, I wanted to know if each of you could debunk a myth about being an artist and being able to create the product that you have the dream of creating and bring it to fruition, bring it to an audience, you know, whether it's a book, a performance, a production. So can you debunk a myth, each one of you, about what your process has been in being able to get to that point? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So very briefly, yes. The myth? Debunk a myth, yeah. Debunk a myth. Okay, gotcha. All right, let's Anyone start with Maria. And, yeah, we, yeah, and we'll, we'll start with Maria, and we're going to only, like, yeah. Round Robin, I'll call out the names, and we only have about 20 seconds each. Okay, so, oh, nice. What my process is like, correct, Nesta? I'm sorry? You want to know what my process is like as far as writing? I want you to debunk a myth about about being able to create your art and bringing it to an audience. You know, a lot of people think I can mm-hmm. never succeed at this because of this, that, or the other reason. Mm. So I feel like in each of your processes, you must have come across that and you must have gotten mm-hmm. past it because you're here now. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, I've always had stage fright, but I've always been a writer, and this has been since I was small. It was just taking my words, which I I always written so that wasn't difficult but I guess my struggle was actually performing it and to this day I still I still I haven't overcome my stage fright to be honest I'm always nervous before every show um but you know what it was everybody's first time at one point even the mm-hmm. great had their first mm-hmm. time on stage mm-hmm. you know they didn't start off being great and I guess that that's what helps me you know like uh some of my favorite poets started off where I'm at, a mm-hmm. newbie, and, and paving mm-hmm. their way and making a name for themselves before they became Lemon, before they became La Bruja. And these are all people that I look up to and that are inspirational to me. And you know what? Mm-hmm. They all started from humble beginnings, and that's what helps my process. Can I add something right, to that? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Sure. Go ahead, guys. Do you want to add your thing, and then I'll go? <laughs> I just want to say very quickly that in the beginning, people will always question how you're going to do it. And that only feeds into your lack of maybe there's a lack of confidence. Everybody feels they want to do something. And then there's that little part of you that's like, well, can I really do this? I truly believe that everyone can do anything, Mm -hmm. but you have to truly believe it. And the minute you believe it, you're going to find a whole bunch of believers you're going to meet up with. The minute you truly believe you can do it, and I think that's what you mean by debunking this whole um, mm-hmm. the myth that you, artists can't go out and do what they want to do. You absolutely can. Um, and you'll you, – oh, let me let Siri continue because um, I don't want to talk to you. So really quickly, I'll share, I'll share a quick anecdote. So, um, when you know, as I was trying to explain to my mom about what I wanted to do with my career and my writing and things like that, she was just, she kind of, you know, came at me with a, well, how are you going to pay your rent um, question, which I think is really valid for a lot of parents who, who worry about their kids. And, um, you know, when I started showing her my, pay, my payments, you know, the colleges and, and anybody who was um, – having me come and perform for them, then she sort of started to, I think, to take it a little bit more seriously and realize that, that I could start to make a career out of this. And so that was, that's a big myth, you know, I think to me, that, that you cannot make a career out of your art or you cannot be successful or, you know, get on your feet financially as a performance artist or as a writer. I think all of those things are possible, but it definitely takes a, a huge leap of faith. You know, I left my full-time teaching job to to pursue this and um and you know I still teach part time now but um but that was a, a huge um you know commitment that I made to to really developing my art and really turning it into a career for myself and I want people to to realize that when you're ready to take that leap of faith 
you know, the universe is there for you. It's, you know, it's there for you. It's a matter of, of having that the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I want to get uh, Miriam. We're running out of time, yes. so I want to make sure I get everybody in. Oh, yeah, I'll try to be quick. Um, I, I'm not sure if I understand your question, but where I'm going with it is, um, I guess, you know, once upon a time, no one would want to hear the story of a Latina from the Bronx with a jaded past, you know, that made too many bad choices. You know, it would never be thought that you would want to hear that story. And, you know, I put out a story of my own, telling the craziest types of things a teenager could ever possibly do. And I got positive feedback from people from all walks of life, you know, an 80-year-old couple, a construction worker. I had someone in Europe read my book and loved it, and, you know, you, you would think that you can't relate or they can't relate to you, and they can. So my best advice would be just whatever it is you create, even if it's not the same medium each time you create it, just do it. And there are going to be people that are going to gravitate and be interested and want to share in your artwork. Mm-hmm. So do it. Wow. Thank you. Peggy. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> I always say this Bruh. I say fear and doubt Are a dream killer And if you allow that To supersede whatever it is that you're trying to put out into the world Then you have already given up So I think that first you have to deal with yourself If you You have to deal with the fact that you are good enough you got to make this happen You're going to put this out into the world You are going to be fearless enough to just You know it's like putting out your, your, your most vulnerable part Into the world but you have to love it and believe it enough and believe it to the fullest so that other people will do the same. You know, you can't half-ass anything. You can't put something out there that you're not even sure about. Like, I think that's why all of us are so invested because we strongly believe in Philadelphia. It is something that we are all collectively proud of and we believe in it a thousand percent. So for me, anything you want to do, I don't care what you want to do, but anything you want to do, you have to believe in it first and then others will too. So basically, kick fear in the face. <laughs> Thank you, Nessa, for your question. And we'll see you Thanks. on opening night, all right? Yeah. So, um, Linda, we are at the two minute mark, and I'm going to give you the last word. Well, that's um, you, you have you have your audience um, speak to them. Mm-hmm. Let, let them know what you need them to know for the show day. Well. It's so that speaks. It's all about these women. It's all about the words. It's all about the love we're sharing, um, the ideas we're sharing. And that's going to take place October 8th to the 13th at the Abruzzi Happy at 64 East 4th Street. And um, we're actually going to do the show, and then we're going to have that talk back uh, after every show. Just a feel for what the audience wants, but we're, I mean, what the audience felt and um, if they had any questions. But it's all about the, the show right now, and um, I hope people really come out. We also have a fundraiser, uh, Mixer Networking event. Um, does anybody want to tell them? I don't have all the. Uh, Miriam, is that your place? Yes, it's um, Friday, an after work mixer from 6 to 9 p.m. At Hayati Cafe, that's H-A-Y-A-T-Y Cafe at 103 Avenue A. Uh, you can Google it, or you can find any of us on Facebook for more information if you need more detailed uh, directions or anything like that. We can definitely help you with that. Absolutely. So definitely come out to the fundraiser, go to the show. Again, the tickets can be bought at SolidarSpeaks.com. If you cannot attend the show for whatever reason, all donations are welcome. I want to thank you all for sharing so much today. I know it's Thanks really hard because it's, it's 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 a it's a show that's new, it's different, and I know you don't want that too much out of the bag. But I do appreciate your honesty and and talking to us a little bit about the project, so we can get just that much more excited about it. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. Y con, Bye. Y con eso, mi gente, los dejamos, and uh, we will catch you next time here on the Capicu Show. Um, like I said, I'll be there at Soledad Speaks opening night. Who wants to watch it with me? Let me know what's up. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good night. Good night. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. I got to get my, my super duper outro. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There we go. Toma. Copy! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 